My name is Chris Heidenberg. I'm the lead pastor of Found Church. If after the service you're wondering where you can find the current series in its entirety, you can find it online at areyoufound.com or on our Found Church Facebook page. We welcome you into our family and we look forward to the opportunity to connect with you. We would love to see you or, or meet you as soon as we're able to worship together again, hopefully sometime soon, at the middle school at Parkside at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. In the meantime, we pray that this worship experience will help you to find faith in God, find freedom for your soul, and find a love that will transform your life. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here with us this morning. Today, we're going to start a little bit differently. We're starting a new series called Therefore. It'll be more of a, an intellectual teaching series and, and a walk through the book of Romans. Romans is one of those books that, that takes a lot of thought. It takes a lot of prayer. It it has been known, widely known, as one of Paul's greatest works. But before we get into that, there is a heaviness that I think rests on the church of Jesus Christ in this time period of our lives. There is, there is a lot of um, heaviness, and there's heaviness in my heart. There's heaviness in... Uh, my friends' hearts and my family's hearts, my wife's heart. And I think it's, it's there for a reason. Uh, it's there for us to, especially for those of us that, that can't quite understand, that, that haven't thus far been able to understand what our black brothers and sisters have experienced for their lives. The heaviness is for us to, to stay in for a moment. You know, it seems when, when we get into these moments, you know, when the pandemic came, came upon us and, and it, was, it was in that, those first couple of weeks of that pandemic where we're like, okay, can't we get back to life as normal now? Can't we get back to the way things were two weeks ago or three weeks ago? Now we're three and a half months or three months into this pandemic and, and, and it's been good for us to sit in the, the heaviness of that, the tension between the way things once were and the way things are going to be. The same is true for this period of history that we find ourselves in with racial reconciliation. As a church, generally speaking, as a church, it is our obligation to rest with the weight of this. Whether you're a, 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 a church that's predominantly white or a church that is predominantly black or Hispanic, whatever the ethnicity that, that we tend to congregate in, it is our obligation. Now, the black community They've been in this weight their whole lives. They've, they've felt the tension of this their whole lives, and we've chosen or um, we've decided or maybe we've been ignorant to it, and so we've just chosen to be oblivious to the reality that is upon us. 
And so I want to challenge us as a church because of the specific call that God has put on our lives to to work to unify and, and knit this community together that requires us to eliminate some of these walls. It requires us to step all the way into this. Because I do believe, as, as many of you have heard from our last series, there is a grace for us to step into this. And so I have a personal challenge to you. Before we even get into this message, my personal challenge to you is make sure your eyes are all the way open. Make sure that God has the freedom to remove the scales from your eyes and from my eyes. Make sure that we are not so uncomfortable that we're, we're desiring to see ourselves on the, un, on the other side of this period of history. Let's stay in this moment. Let's, let's step into the movement that God is, is doing in this because he is bringing about not just a local movement, in Jackson, not just a state movement in Michigan, but a national movement. In fact, I would go as far as to say that this is moving across the world. And God has called us to be a part of that. So my challenge is, is make sure your eyes are open. Do what the hard work that is necessary for you to let God convict your heart, to open up, to, to surrender this in your life, whether it's been intentional or non-intentional, whether it, you've been naive to it or ignorant to it, whether you've just chosen to be oblivious to it, regardless, I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to challenge you. Let's step into this. Let's not be too quick to desire this to just go away as it has for us in white America so many times before. Because we are here to stand with our brothers and sisters. We are here to affect change in this world, especially as Christians. So would you pray with me as we start? God, I thank you for, for this. Lord, I know that, that it, is, it is coming through a great pain, a great strife for the black community in, in this country worldwide, Lord, there has been grave injustice after injustice, atrocity after atrocity. Lord, I pray that you, that you would continue to just open my eyes, that as we, as we just step into this, Lord, and, and just peel the layers back, that we would see the reality of this pain, that we would feel as much as I can possibly feel the, the gravity of this, the, the, the weight of this, so that I truly can begin, truly can begin to empathize because the weight and the pain that I would feel, it will allow me to step in and to actually make changes in my life and help to bring clarity for those that are still wondering how they can make changes in theirs. Lord, I pray that we as a church, at Found Church, that we would truly just be okay in the middle of this, not ready, not, not um, too quick to want to move out of it, 
but to understand that America is moving towards a new normal and we are called to be a part of that. Lord, teach us. Continue to lead us as we move forward in this. Lord, we thank you for for the life of George Floyd, for the life of Ahmaud Arbery, for the life of countless others that have gone before, having served this America by a grave injustice that was served to them. We thank you, Lord. May it not go back to the way it was, but move forward to the way that you would have it become. In Jesus' name, I pray that you anoint this word. I pray that you touch our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. As I said, we're starting a new series. Um, Now, I'm not coming at you in this series with um, a whole lot of emotion, although you might not know that right now. Um, this is more of a teaching series because Romans, Romans plays a significant role in the maturity of our faith. It plays an increasingly significant role in, in how we express the love of Christ because often what we believe about the Lord, what we believe about salvation, what we believe about ourselves plays the most significant role of how we express the love of Christ, how we, how we share who we are now as new believers, as with believers with new hearts that are being called to be sanctified. Because we understand through the book of Romans that that salvation is not a moment in our lives and then we are good to go. We can just check that box and say, thank you very much, Lord, or or rather we wouldn't call him Lord because that's not him having lordship. We would say, thank you, Jesus, for being my savior. And then I go on about my day. That's not what this salvation is. Salvation, it begins in a moment. But we are being saved throughout our lives. Our our whole walk of faith is about being saved through a lifetime. We talk often in this church, in fact, you see it all the time, that you find faith, you find freedom, and you find love. In this church, you will find faith, you will find freedom, and you will find love. But, This is actually that progression of salvation, that progression of true salvation, that it that it begins when we find faith. But but as we continue to find faith, as we continue to walk in faith, and as we continue to really step in and yield our lives to the Lord, that's when we can also find freedom. And those chains they begin to fall off of ourselves so that we can begin to to see clearly. And when we absolutely walk in freedom, then we can actually begin to not only experience true love, true love of God, not the way that the world describes love, but the love of the Father, the love of the Holy Spirit, the love of the Son, and then that shows us how we are to truly be able to express it in the world. 
I think more now than ever before, the church is called to continually be saved. That we are being saved by the gospel message. I want to start in Ezekiel, actually. Uh, The interesting thing about today is we are starting a series in Romans, and I'm actually not even going to touch Romans today. Um, we're going we're gonna to begin really dissecting Romans starting next week. But I first want to start with Ezekiel chapter 17, verse 32, uh, I'm sorry, 22 through 24. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I myself will take a shoot from the very top of the cedar, that, that cedar, that, that cedar they're talking about, that is the kingdom of Israel. That is the, the, the people of God that he's talking about. And the shoot from the very top, the, the top of the cedar, that is representing the, the tribe of Judah. And a shoot from that tribe of Judah in that cedar, which is the kingdom of Israel, he will take that shoot and plant it. Now remember, of course, he's talking about Jesus here, right? He, he planted Jesus in the ground. He planted Jesus in the tomb. God himself took from this lineage and planted Jesus in a tomb. Remember, Jesus said, unless a seed goes into the ground and dies, it can bear no harvest. It cannot produce more seed. That is a picture of Jesus being buried into the ground. And it says, I will break off the tender sprig from its topmost shoots and plant it on a high and lofty mountain. On the mountain heights of Israel, talking about the city of Jerusalem, I will plant it and it will produce um, branches and bear fruit and become a splendid cedar. You want to know what he's talking about there? He's talking about the gospel. He's talking about the active living, life-changing gospel that comes by way of the church, comes by way of you and me. It says, um, it says birds of every kind will, will nest in it and they will find shelter in the shade of its, of its branches. You know, he's talking now, he's talking about Gentiles. He's talking about uh, people from all walks of life. He's talking about not just the Jewish nation, just that, that, um, that Middle Eastern origin, that Middle Eastern descent, that, that, um, you know, that ethnicity of the Jew. He's talking about bringing in the ethnicities of all of the world. He's talking about bringing in the Gentiles, the, the people that even don't know God yet. He's talking about how this church, this gospel, the beauty of this gospel message will bring life and it will invite people into the shade and the protection from that beating sun. It says, all the trees of the of, I'm sorry, all the trees of the field will know that I, the Lord, bring down the tall tree, bringing Jerusalem, or bringing the, the um, Israelites down and make the low tree, this new shoot, this, this church, grow tall. And I will dry up the green tree and make the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken and I will do it. 
the gospel is it's meant to be good news. Romans is that book um, that most of us, I'll be honest with you, when you sit down to read for 15 minutes in your Bible, you're going to get a, a small snippet of, of what Paul is trying to say. And yes, those little snippets, they can stand alone to some degree, but, but Romans, honestly, even though it's 16 chapters long, it's a book for one sitting. Not, not just one sitting, but you read it over and over and over again because the whole thing stacks upon itself. The reason that we're calling this book therefore is because therefore is, is an adverb that tells you the result. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to lay out this foundation and therefore this is what you take from it. We're going to put this stone down and then we're going to stack this therefore on that. It's, it's one therefore after another. And you know, there's an old adage that says, Anytime you see the word therefore in Scripture, you should always go back and understand what it's there for. That's Romans in a nutshell. It's an incredible book. In fact, N.T. Wright, one of the, the greatest uh, theologians of our day, he, he writes this. He says that Romans is neither a, a systematic theology nor a summary of Paul's life work, but it, but it is a common consent um, in common consensus that it's his masterpiece. It dwarfs most of his other writings. It's an alpine peak towering over hills and villages. Not all onlookers have viewed it in the same light or from the same angle. Or their snapshots and paintings of it are sometimes remarkably unalike. Not all climbers have taken the same route up its sheer sides and there is frequent disagreement on the best approach. What nobody doubts is that we are here dealing with a work of massive substance, presenting a formidable intellectual challenge while offering a breathtaking theological and spiritual vision. That's Romans. That's what we're about to undertake. And, and honestly, we're going to spend the next five weeks after today really digging into it. And so I don't want to shade it with emotion. I don't want to add to it or take anything away. We're just going to unpack it for what it is and trust that God is going to pierce your heart with it. Cut, your, cut right to your heart with it because I know he does to me every time. For Paul, we know that it's clear that, that there was a compelling force to his life. He was moved to action. We look at Paul's life and think there's, there's no way to compare. He set the, the standard way too high, but, but maybe it's less about our comparison of our lives to his and more about right believing in the truth of the gospel. Paul received something so great that he could never repay it, and yet he spent the entirety of the rest of his life attempting to. Romans is an accounting in words to why his life was so compelled. Therefore, I believe that these words are meant to compel our lives as well. For we too have been given 
that same amazing grace that Paul was given. We're actually going to pick up in Philippians chapter 2. Strangely enough, how we're studying Romans, but, but we're not going to spend any time there today. Uh, I'm going to pick up in chapter 2, verse 12. This is right after Paul writes this, this beautiful work on, on how Christ, he didn't consider equality something, equality with God something to be grasped, but he set it aside. He set aside his privilege. He set aside all of the, the, the opportunities that he had in heaven to, to just stay on his throne, to stay in that, in that place where you only experience goodness, where you only experience this, the beauty of heaven, and he came into our pain. He came into our hostile world so that he could not only experience it, but overcome it on the cross. And so Paul writes to the Philippians. Now, I guess it's important to set context for this too. Philippi was a, like an outpost, a Roman outpost. So it directly impacts the words that we'll share in the coming weeks. Because they, they were a Gentile population. They were a mostly Greek population. They would not have understood a whole lot. So as they step into faith, you know, he's speaking to a church. He's speaking to believers, but they would have been, let's just say, young in their faith. They would have not really had a full understanding of the gospel yet. Maybe they understood the salvation in Jesus Christ, but yet they're still maturing in their faith. And so these words are very important for us today. So he says, therefore, my dear brothers, as, as, as you have obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, this is, this is one of those, those verses that people mistake all the time. You hear that, work out your salvation, people People even like to teach that as though this is your continuing obligation to ensure that your salvation is set, to ensure that you're doing and producing all of the fruit necessary to require or that's required of your salvation. So make sure, make sure that you're saved day after day. Make sure when you examine yourself that your salvation is set. Because heaven forbid, you don't want to show up to those pearly gates thinking that you've been saved your whole life and then come to find out, eh, sorry, this isn't the place for you. That's not what he's saying. Let me just make that clear. That is not what he's saying at all. He's saying, work out of you this thing that has been put into you. And he says it directly after. He says, for it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. We don't have to work out our salvation as though somehow it's, it's not set. It's not set in stone. It's not sealed to all of eternity if God has put this new heart in us. He's saying, no, because he's put this new heart in us, because he has shown such great mercy to you and put put so much gracing on your life it is your obligation as a result let's put the cart in the proper place let's put the cart behind the horse where it's meant to go he's saying there should be an outpouring of what has put it has been put into you 
Do everything without complaining and arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you shine like stars in the universe to work out your salvation which god has worked in means that we are to shine like stars like like we are working out of us we are letting the light that is in us now shine out into the darkness as though we are stars in the universe we are called to shine plain and simple we have the light in us. Maybe, maybe we don't believe that yet. Maybe we don't truly understand that yet, and therefore we struggle to let the light shine because we don't truly believe the right thing about us yet. He says, he says you are to shine like stars in the universe as you hold out, as you hold out the word of life. This gospel, it is good news. It is meant to produce life. It's meant to bring life. Have you ever, have you ever had that person present the gospel to you? I know I've had it presented to me. And, and we all understand, okay, and, and Romans is really good at presenting this case. But we all understand that in order for there to be good news, it has to start as a therefore to bad news, right? The gospel, the true measure of the gospel, it begins in the bad news, but it ends with the good news. But have you ever had somebody express to you the, the gospel and they f somehow forget to leave out the good parts? They somehow just leave it in the condemnation over you because you haven't done this or because you've done that or this is what you did back you know, 13 years ago when you were too young to know any better? That is not a picture of the gospel. That's a presentation of the condemnation that is due to all of us. But there is good news. And we are called to hold out the word of life as the church. We are called to present the, what did I say last week? The full measure of the gospel. The full witness of this message of life. In order that I might boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor for nothing. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and I rejoice. I rejoice. Paul understands. He has a full understanding of this gospel. He presents that so beautifully in Romans. And each therefore lays out another piece of this continuing salvation, this continuing maturity of faith, this continuing sanctifying grace that God has for those that yield their lives to him and believe rightly. Not, not being left in the dust of those messages of condemnation, but believing rightly so much in the life, in the word of this life of the gospel that we actually begin to live it out that's the gospel and paul says i understand this 
that even though I am pouring myself out to you as a drink offering, that my blood and my sweat and my tears are being poured out for you, that even in the midst of my trial, even in the midst of the struggle that I go through each and every day and I pour myself out for you, I got nothing but joy. I got nothing but rejoicing with all of you so that, he says, so you too should also be glad and rejoice with me because this gospel, it's good news. And then he, he goes down, and I'll, I'll pick up again in chapter 3. He says, finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. There it is again. Rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and again. And I will, I will hit on this again and again and again. You will hear me hit on this again and again and again. That in this church, when you find faith, when you begin to step out in true faith because you're believing right, these chains are going to start to fall off. And when the chains of, of self-preservation and the chains of, of, of not being offended at every turn, when all of these chains of that this world straps on us begin to fall off, we're going to actually be able to understand what it is to walk in the love of Jesus and actually understand what it is to express the love of Jesus by holding out this word of life. But then he says, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision. We who worship by the Spirit of God, by faith. When you, when you receive Jesus Christ by faith, you're receiving this seal, you're receiving this salvation, but, but working out your salvation is allowing God to continually lead you and shine out of you in different ways that you never thought possible. This place we find ourselves in today is a perfect example of that because many of us, we didn't understand the depth of this, this evil in our world. We didn't understand the depth of, of how, how bad and evil and nasty racism actually is and, and how, yes, it's easy to see the obvious things, but how even in the, in the small ways that we need Holy Spirit to reveal in our hearts. That's what it is to work out our salvation even in the midst of what we're experiencing today. But he says, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. He's talking, okay, so the context of this specifically in the, the church of Philippi, and, and he's talking about those, those Judaizers of the faith. Judaizers were, were the group of people that, let's just, say, let's just say they were fundamental, okay? That's the kind way of saying that they were, um, they were still stuck in the law. In fact, they were still so much stuck in the law that they didn't believe that you could even give your life to Christ or become a faithful follower of Jesus or even be saved unless you first entered into and converted into Judaism. These, they proselytized that way that you enter into the way, this new way of Jesus by, by way of the Jewish system. 
by way of the law, by way of circumcision. And he's saying, no, we are actually the, the circumcision. Because it's, the circumcision is not on the outside. The circumcision is in our heart. The Lord, he circumcises our heart. And that is the seal. That is, that is the, the thing that we are marked with by the power of the Spirit of God that dwells within us. So don't buy into that condemnation. Don't buy into those fundamentals that still believe that, that in order to be saved, that your life shouldn't look like it looked like two years ago. That your life should alter and, 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 and be transformed. And I'm here to tell you, there's no question in my mind that your life is meant to be transformed. But remember, that moment of salvation, that's the beginning work of Jesus Christ. That's the beginning work of the cross in your life. We who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Now, just to be clear, we're not saying, go on, you know, accept the Lord Jesus into your heart and just go on about your way. No, there is change that's meant to come through your life. Jesus came to this earth to save you. So that your life was, yes, saved in a moment, but a lifetime of being saved, a lifetime of being transformed. So I do have to ask the question, if you aren't seeing fruit, if you aren't seeing changes in mindset, if you aren't seeing a, 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 a tearing out of the world in your life, then I would have to ask the question, do you care? Do you want to live the life of Christ? Do you want to follow where he's going? Do you want to give your life completely over to this good news? Because I'm here to tell you it is amazing news. But let's make sure the cart is behind the horse. Let's make sure we understand that, that we are to work out what Christ puts in. I think Romans will really truly help us to understand that, that our lives are, are part of a journey. And, and I don't make lightly by that journey because you can be on a journey for your whole life and still only take one step. Let's just be clear on that. <laughs> a lot of people say that, that they're on a journey, but they're really not going anywhere. I think I'm not going to get lost in the weeds of... of of wondering if they're, if they're truly converted or not to the, to the way of Jesus, I, I don't get worried in that. I don't get lost in that because I believe that the grace, for, the grace for them is so profound, it's so big, that if they really understood that Jesus wasn't just trying to rip uh, things out of your life or he wasn't just trying to confine your life to things that are a little bit less fun or a little less enjoyable or or maybe he's only trying to call you to things that are painful or things that are difficult no there is a joy that comes in it all a joy that comes in in truly understanding what we are entering into when we leave this life of death and enter into true life, abundant life. Paul begins to, to go on. He says, 
He says, we don't have any confidence in the flesh. He says, though I myself have reason for such confidence. In fact, I'm going to spend a minute here and, and boast is what he's saying, essentially, even though he says so many other places. I'm not going to boast, but then he kind of goes on and boasts. He says, if anyone else thinks that he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Because on the outside, I play the part. On the outside, my, club, my cup is as clean as it can possibly be. I even have that sign of, of faith. I have that sign of my heritage. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I was of the people of Israel. I was of the tribe of Benjamin. What he's saying with that is like the tribe of Benjamin was notoriously those that were the, the, the hardest and the most zealous after God, the most zealous to prove the, the word of God, to prove the, the law. In fact, they were the ones that were the most eager to defend the law, to defend this old temple and sacrificial system and then he says in regards to the law i was a pharisee i lived it i lived it to the letter you couldn't find anything on me as for zeal persecuting the church in fact he says that with a little bit of i kind of did my job pretty well nobody could question how well i persecuted the church as for legalistic righteousness, I was faultless. Nobody could find anything against me. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Listen to this. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things surpassing greatness this 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 all-consuming continually filling measure of the glory of jesus christ in my life that's the gospel you see, when you get that first measure of salvation, when you give your life to Christ, when you say, I, I don't trust in the other ways of salvation of this world, I trust in Christ. I believe he is my savior. I profess it with my mouth that he is the son of God and he died on the cross. He was raised to life. That alone, scripture says, is our salvation. But Paul says, I consider all of those other forms of promising life, all of those other forms of promising salvation, I consider all of it loss for the sake of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. So how do you take a man that, that was so staunch and, and rooted in one tradition and rooted in not just not just in an understanding of mindset but an actual heritage of life his family his family's family all the way back in and how do you how do you go from that to counting 
all of it as loss for the sake of the surpassing glory of Jesus Christ unless, unless you are cut to the heart. Remember we talked last week, those 3,000 believers, they heard these words come out of Peter's mouth in Acts and it says they were cut to the heart and their salvation began I want to just I want to just reiterate that our salvation it begins it doesn't it doesn't it just doesn't come as a moment in our life it begins a life and so Romans is just a a perfect understanding from start to finish where he lays out the what is due to all of us the penalty that is due to all of us and then and then he says and therefore we have this to look forward to unless we step into this new life. And because we step into this new life and, and all of these things take place, therefore, we get to experience this next beautiful part of our journey. And because of this, it changes our life. And therefore, and because of that, it changes our life. Therefore, therefore. Therefore, it's important for us to understand what the therefore is there for. And so as we walk in this journey, I understand that today's message was, was not meant to, uh, just meant to trigger some emotional high for you. In fact, it's just the opposite. I want us to go in next week prepared, ready to, to pull out our notebooks, ready to, to take notes, ready to, to understand the gospel in its completion, in its fullness, to understand that, yes, there is penalty for us that don't know Jesus. Yes, there are, there are consequences for a life that is not living and being in and being. Um, transformed into the life that christ has for us there are circumstances for all of that and there are consequences for all of that but i want you to understand that what romans lays out for us is that the gospel is so good that the gospel is so big that the gospel is so life altering that if we really truly understand what it is that Jesus did and continues to do in our heart, that we will count all of the lies that we've been told, all of the, the, the false identities that we have put on ourselves, that we continue to operate out of, that if we believe right, that we will continue or begin to actually live right. That's what it is to work out your salvation that this thing that god has done and continues to do as he sanctifies our heart as he continues to set us apart from the ways of the world that lead to death that we will be able to actually find faith and find true freedom so that we can not only know what it is to actually know the love of god that surpassing greatness, but to actually be able to express the love of God and hold out the word of life. That word of life, that when they receive it, when they understand it, when they 
they actually see that testimony in your life, there's nothing more to defend. They don't have to, to fight to hold on to what was once their life, but they desire to let every bit of it go. You can count it all as loss. That's the book of Romans, and that's what we're stepping into next week. Therefore, I hope to see you there. God bless. We'll see you next week. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We just want you to know that you are now a part of our Found Church family. And you are always welcome at Found Church. We've been worshiping at the middle school at Parkside at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And we cannot wait until we're able to meet back there again. We would also love to hear how God has touched your heart today. If you feel God speaking into your heart in a fresh new way, or believe God to be revealing a new truth to you, or giving you a higher resolution in which to recognize Him, we would love to talk with you and pray with you. Just message us on Facebook or email us at areyoufound.com. And this is my prayer for you today, that this has raised a hope in your heart and helped you to find faith, find freedom, and find the love of God to be overwhelming and real. Be well. God bless. 